Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Change Up, our fourth episode. I'm Owen Holmgren, joined again by Taylor West. Teddy Conover is not here right now, but I think he should be joining in a second. And today we are joined by Gilman alum and Baltimore native, Brett Hollander. Mr. Hollander is the former host of Sportsline and the Brett Hollander Show on WBAL. In 2015, he was named Maryland Sports Broadcaster of the Year, and in February, he joined Masson as an Orioles broadcaster. But most importantly, he's the husband of Aaron Hollander, lower school teacher here at Calvert School right outside my window. Mr. Hollander, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to have you. Uh, so the first question is really the first question uh, I've been asking everybody. How have you and your family been spending your quarantine? Uh, well, as you probably know, uh, my, my wife as a school teacher, I would say it's been um, a really uh, interesting period. I mean, we've been very uh, busy with that, uh, obviously, in trying to educate our, our two young girls best we can. Uh, one, fortunately, is, is three, so it's not quite as uh, rigorous and tough, but the uh, older one, who's uh, five, uh, you know, we believe it's you know, it's still a critical time of learning for her. So we're doing the best we can, and Calvert's been great, uh, not only for our family and in, in the learning side, but uh, obviously my wife's been very busy. As for me personally, you know, it's past Memorial Day here. It's almost June. It's baseball season, and and that's what I obviously wish I was doing day to day. It's what I signed up for. It's what I hope to be doing soon and for a very long time. Uh, fortunately, the Orioles have been great uh, to us and, and to me personally, and I'm feeling very fortunate about that. And actually, uh, along the lines of what you guys are doing right now, it, it's created an opportunity uh, to, I think, create some new content uh, that didn't exist before. And uh, myself and a number of colleagues, we've started um, another, we've started to create some other things, and, and we've actually, some of it's been, been sponsored and and anything we can do mentally to stay busy and to create content for Orioles fans, uh, you know, I think it's an important thing to do. So uh, w one thing we've started is, is a podcast, Orioles Magic, the podcast, where we're, we're getting former Orioles on, uh, you know, whether it's legends. We've had Palmer and Eddie and people like that. And we've had people who participated in just a moment or two, uh, whether it was someone like uh, Joe Saunders. We, we have that episode coming out tomorrow where, uh, you know, he pitched a very – just one of the biggest recent games in Orioles history, the 2012 wildcard game, uh, beating the Rangers. And uh, that's been a lot of fun. We created this on-deck show that I host where basically, you know, I do a pregame show for old Orioles games. I, I know fans to some extent, obviously we want the, the modern-day product of all these things at this point, but it's been fun uh, creating content that didn't exist before. I think some of it's going to live on and survive, and some of it will obviously go away when games return. But uh, to stay busy, to stay occupied, and, and I can't tell you how impressed I am with, uh, Orioles digital marketing, uh, Orioles broadcasting production, to put products like this together, all of us working remotely, uh, has been really amazing. I, I, mean, I mean, I'm really in awe of the editing, uh, the quality of the product, the look of the product, the graphics. Uh, it's, it's amazing how it's all come together. Mm -hmm. And that kind of leads me into my next question. Obviously, we all want baseball right now. It's really the number one thing most of us want. Uh, we saw a couple of days ago the NHL announced their plan. Uh, if they were to come back, a 2014 playoff. Uh, we're all still waiting for the MLB's plan. They proposed an 82-game season, but they'd be cutting the salaries of a ton of players, especially be these big players would be affected. I saw Bryce Harper this year would go from like $25 million to $7 million, uh, which is a massive cut. And we've seen guys like Blake Snell, Bryce Harper, Trevor Bauer all speak out. Uh, we saw the Players Association is going to try to rebut that offer uh, from the MLB. So what are your thoughts on the current state of baseball? And do you think uh, we will have any kind of um, MLB season in 2020? I'm optimistic, guys. Um, 
I, I don't want to speak on anyone's behalf. I don't want to make that very clear. Uh, I'm optimistic because I hope cooler heads prevail. And I think, I hope both sides understand the stakes. Obviously, the idea of no season, if other sports play on, would be so detrimental to baseball short and long term uh, that they have to understand that. And that means future earnings for both parties. And that means just the, you know, I hate saying survival and, and talking dramatically because baseball will always survive. It's incredibly resilient. It has survived everything over the last 150 years. Uh, and it will continue to go on, but it's not 1994, 95 anymore. And I know that's probably a little before you guys' time, but that's uh, one of the last work stoppage in baseball. And, and to be fair, people look at baseball when it comes to labor strife. Every sport since then, every major sport has had a, has had a significant work stoppage since then. Baseball has had relative peace since then. But the owners and players have been doing this for, uh, for over a century. Uh, rarely easy and simple. I, I'm frustrated that other sports you know are having a similar conversation but only baseball is having this public conversation and that does no one any good. Some of the language and the leaks and the tweets are, are come across tone deaf to me to what's going on in the world and uh, unbecoming uh, of both parties. So uh, I think um, there needs to be a little give on both sides. Uh, obviously I'm not privy to any of the negotiations other than what we all read, but I, I hope they understand the stakes. This is not 1994, 95. Uh, you guys understand this better than everybody, uh, that uh, you have to uh, appreciate the, the sheer volume of content entertainment that exists in our modern world. In 1994-95, there were, you know, three or four major sports, and that was it. I mean, do you guys have friends who are watching uh, video games as entertainment and sport right now? I mean, I don't, but do you guys? I know that's a thing. And there was no there was no Premier League on American television. There, there was no MLS. Um, there, none of these things existed. So baseball cannot live with arrogance that they will somehow just go on as usual if they don't play ball. Now, if every season was wiped out, if every season was wiped out and it was for just health reasons alone, everyone would understand that and we'd hit a do-over button when this is over. But it would still be very costly. And everyone has to understand, listen, the players are the reason I exist. The players are the reason this whole product exists. We pay to watch the players. We watch television to watch the players and, and no one else really involved. But they are, in the overall industry sense of it, a, you know, a part of a, an overall huge industry that we lose sight of sometimes. They're the most important part of it by far. But it's a big industry. You think about the concession. You think about the ticket taker. You think about the front office people, the scouts. Uh, the coaches, the trainers, you think about the person who makes the hot dog, who drops off the keg, the bartender across the street, the marketing people, uh, the people want to get advertising into these games so everyone has money. Um, so I hope everyone understands. They have to be, everyone has to be a little more selfless and understand that this is a sprint because we need, we're, you know, the goal is, I think, and again, I'm not speaking for anybody but myself, but the goal is to, to get to the other side of this and kind of go back to business as usual. Uh, but right now, um, you know, this is going to be confined to a four-month sprint. And, uh, you know, you just hope that cooler heads prevail and there's somewhere a compromise in this. As you mentioned, uh, Scott Boris, the agent today, emailed his client saying, please don't bail out. 
uh, and the Associated Press found out about it because um, you know they they obtained the email and uh, he's looking for his players to support the uh, the movement to get back to baseball as as I think everyone should. Um, so you know, was it a hard decision moving from WBAL to Masson and become the uh, the voice of the Orioles? Well, uh, I didn't have Scott Boris representing me. It would have been interesting if he had uh, where we'd be right now. Um, it was a tough decision because I, um, I love what I did at WBAL. Uh, I had a great time doing it. Um, and my kind of metamorphosis there of going from uh, a sports talk show host and getting you to do a lot of things, which I'm very grateful for. I think it helps you uh, both in, in kind of your development as a broadcaster and as a thinker and as a person. You know, I, I obviously hosted a sports show for a long time. It was a part of Ravens coverage. We had the Orioles for a number of years. I had a lot to do with that. Um, I got to do some Towson basketball. I uh, did some news reporting. I mean, you, you name it, I did a lot of television. I did some 98 Rock, which is a part of our, our family there. And I, I did storm coverage. I, I did it, you know, I got to do it all, which I thought was really great. And then at the end, I kind of made a change uh, and got to afternoon drive, which in radio, that morning drive are kind of the two most sought after spots and did more of a Baltimore centric, uh, you know, talk show, more general talk show than just sports, uh, I thought was really um, an interesting move in my career. I'm not the first person to do it, but uh, I thought it was uh, something I had an itch to do. The opportunity came up. Uh, they were kind of transitioning out of doing a lot of sports um, at WBAL uh, to the level that it had been, had been done before. Um, so I thought it was a good opportunity. And then, you know, the Orioles opportunity came along, and that was uh, – Certainly your guys' age, but honestly, going back to six, seven, eight years old, that was the original dream. This poster behind me, uh, my brother made that in 1997 for, or 96, I think he made that for an ALCS game. I was uh, in sixth grade at Gilman for the 96 ALCS. Um, so that to me, uh, there have been a few jobs I would have probably left for, but I think you guys can appreciate this. That kind of connection doesn't leave you. Um, it stays with you your whole life and it, it doesn't go away. And that desire burns, you know, deep and to come and, you know, have an opportunity to kind of fulfill that original dream, I think was just very hard to pass up. But it was a very tough uh, decision to leave because, you know, I think it's always hard to kind of change up in life, whether it's changing schools, you guys are eventually going to go to college, um, whatever it might be. Um, I just thought I couldn't pass up the opportunity uh, to try a new venture. I'd been at BAL for over a decade. I uh, kind of came of age there. You know, I, I said this um, when I started it. When I got there, I was not married. Uh, I've left there. I, I know nieces and nephews when I started there since then. You know, I'm married, two kids, a dog, the whole thing. So it all kind of happened for me from that, you know, age group in life. I'm going from 25 to 36. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously made a lot of lifelong friendships and people I keep up with and a lot of uh, people that mean a lot to me. It is a very uh, tight knit family feeling there. So uh, my timing's interesting. I think I officially signed on March 1st. I went to spring training a few days later, came home and the world ended, it seems. So my timing leaving BAL was interesting. So, I mean, you've kind of seen the development of the Orioles for like you've seen the ups and the downs, a lot more downs than ups. Um, in the last two years have been some of the, like the worst baseball that we've yeah. seen on the team. And it's not looking that 
bright for the near future. Do you think there's any sort of like chance we get some Orioles magic in like the near future? I don't know about in uh, 20 as far as wins and losses go, but you never know if they're playing an 82 game schedule, you know, it's going to be crazy. I don't think any of us can kind of foresee that. Um, I'm optimistic about the farm system. I, I think that there, there, it's a deep, it's, it's actually starting to get some respect um, but I think it's deeper than even those people realize. And what's going to be coming – I mean, this is all what I'm saying now contingent upon this pandemic and this – what's happening now is not a total uh, slowdown of player development, that there is a 2020 season. They find some way, if not play a minor league season, they have some developmental league, so some key prospects get at-bats and get innings in. Uh, but I am – uh, more optimistic and mo- than most about the future in the sense that I think there's a lot of good young talent developing. There might be some shortcomings in the organization, but they're picking it two in, in, in a week or two. And then they get three of the first 39 picks. They got a great shot to pick again next year in the top three. And, uh, and obviously they feel very good about last year's draft led by Adley Rutschman, who would probably be one, the first pick again, even with the great talent that's in this draft, if we were up again this year. Uh, hopefully things get back in order with international signings because the Orioles are committed to making great progress there. I mean, the unknown is what we're dealing with now. That if uh, franchises feel they don't have the, the money coming in to really focus on development, go out and sign international players, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, and we don't know how it's going to even impact the wealthy teams. I mean, people assume certain things, but I could spin it the other way. Uh, you know, the Yankees lose Garrett Cole or, uh, you know, a Glaber Torres in a prime season, that's not a good thing. I mean, there's certainly teams out there that this will probably benefit and this will probably hurt. Uh, to me, it's probably a good year with no fans allowed not to be all in going for it. I think it's so important to play for the health of the game for the Orioles. I mean, listen, this Orioles team is going to have some important players of the future on it. I mean, Hunter Harvey's got a great chance to be a key member. Uh, obviously, uh, Anthony Santander uh, is, is had a really good season last year. He's going to get a lot of at-bats. Austin Hayes in center field. I can't wait to see Austin play. I, I think, and I'm just speaking off the top of my head, if they're playing an 82-game schedule, a lot of the veteran pitchers that were really stopgap guys who are going to be on this team, uh, yeah, I, I see less of a need for that uh, given what's going on. And there are a bunch of young pitchers in Norfolk who I think had a chance to uh, get here around July 1st anyway, whether it's Dean Kramer um, and Bruce Zimmerman who went to Loyola Blakefield. Uh, you know, guys like that, uh, uh, Keegan Aiken, who, who's probably going to make the club at some point this year. Uh, you know, I, I hope we get to see some of these guys. They'll make the season really interesting and, and I think hasten the development. But obviously, no one knows how this is going to impact every team, both short-term and long-term, in a lot of different ways. But I am much more bullish on this farm system than most. I'll leave it at that. Um, so... You've been through the 96 LCS. Um, I'm not sure if you were alive for the 83 World Series. I was born in uh, June of 84, so I missed that one. Yeah. Uh, the Colts left town. The Orioles won their last championship, so that's my uh, curse. But uh, alive in 96 and 7 for the ALCSs, and, uh, and obviously I was covering the team and traveling um, in the 2014 ALCS and uh, traveled in the playoffs in 2012 as well. Um, so do you have like a favorite moment? I, I know that, uh, like 96 had some great moments, but 2014 also with the Dalman Young three run double, I was at that game, probably the most electric atmosphere I've ever been in. Um, do you have a favorite Orioles moment particularly? 
Oh, so many. Um, a lot of, I, I was fortunate enough to go to a lot of games, both professionally and growing up. Um, you know, the Delman Young double is right there uh, just from a, an emotion standpoint. And you could feel the ballpark shake. I mean, shake. And uh, we were doing that game. Uh, we were living that game recently. Uh, the 2012 wildcard game on the road. Obviously, most of my moments will probably uh, filter back to home. But, you know, that game's right there. Uh, I, I, you know, the, the winning a playoff game at home in 2012 against the Yankees, Jim Johnson struck out Alex Rodriguez to end the game. Uh, that was unreal. I thought they needed to get that, that home playoff win. Uh, Wei and Chen outdueled Andy Pettit uh, in that. Uh, I, I thought, uh, you know, just the moment of introductions in the 2014 ALCS against Kansas City, the ballpark. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys. I mean, I was sure they were going to the win the World Series and beat Kansas City. Obviously, they were swept. Um, I didn't go to this game, but the 97 ALDS against the Mariners. The Mariners had Ken Griffey Jr., Edgar Martinez, Jay Buhner, young Alex Rodriguez. They are loaded. The Orioles, though, won 98 games, went wire to wire. Somehow they were the underdog in this series. And Mike Mussina, who was my favorite player growing up, outdueled uh, Randy Johnson twice in four games. And uh, Jeff Rebele, a little utility player, took Johnson deep uh, in that game. That was amazing. Uh, we were just looking back in the 96 ALDS against Cleveland. Cleveland won the pennant the year before. Uh, they were tremendous. Uh, and uh, the Orioles, uh, I, I went to school in game one. Uh, Bobby Bonilla had a grand slam. That was an amazing day. And then, uh, you know, I was at 21-31. That's right there. Um, I, I uh, you know, I can go right through a number of, you know, moments and walk-off wins. And the, the run at the end of the 2014 season where they kind of just kept on winning was very special. And then, you know, I, I have a huge connection to that 2012 team in the sense that, you know, 14 years of losing going in and they won 93 games, went toe to toe with the Yankees. And, and it just, we all kind of couldn't figure it out. And there was this incredibly important moment that, you know, you ask yourself, how many more years could they have gone without having a winning or competitive season? And we all kind of woke up on Labor Day and said, you know, they're in this thing. There was this incredible, it was one of the most amazing nights at Camden Yards ever. Yankees are in town. It's in September. And it's Cal Ripken night at the ballpark. It's September 6th. They're uh, unveiling the new statue of Camden Yards as they did that season in the 20th anniversary of the ballpark. And they, and, and it's an, it was an amazing pregame ceremony. It was a sellout crowd. And uh, Matt Wieters, it's a three run homer in the first inning and the place just erupts. And, it was a really interesting game. Adam Jones had a big homer and they just, it just was like, Oh, this is what it's supposed to be like meaningful September baseball. We'd all been craving it. Cause in those 14 years of losing, they played almost zero meaningful games the second half of the season. So to have that, and then this great baton passing kind of connecting the generations of Orioles fans, it was very meaningful. So there are a lot, there are a lot of, you know, nights, um, you know, Mike Mussina, almost perfect game against, uh, Cleveland at home, one of the greatest games ever pitched in Orioles history. Uh, th there's just a lot to choose from. But uh, we were reviewing the other day, Chris Hoyle's walk-off grand slam in the bottom of the ninth against Seattle in 96. Uh, uh, just a lot of great Orioles memories, uh, even with those 14 years of losing, uh, which, you know, still hurts. I feel bad for, for maybe not you guys, because you guys have experienced some winning and some important fandom years, but that group older than you, 
I feel really bad for them. They, they, they didn't have any of, it felt like they didn't have any of those important moments to keep it, to keep that thing lit inside them. All right, well, we don't want to keep you any longer, Mr. Honda. Uh, I know you got to get out of here by four. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we appreciate it a lot. Yeah, I hope it wasn't too long-winded. It's just uh, good to see some friendly faces. And uh, I really appreciate you guys doing a, a cool podcast. Very, uh, very smart of you guys and also creative. And uh, I expect nothing less from, from Gilman Kids. So uh, thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for coming